Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the movie mausoleum. We are your film history necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan, and we have come here tonight to resurrect the spirits of the worst films of the year, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This will be a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of the films nominated for Razzie Worst Film of the Year. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. Uh, something in Polish. Uh, we are doing 365 Days, which is a Polish-Italian film. Yes, and let me first off say that uh, I don't know how we're going to be doing clips because of uh, how accessible these movies are. As of recording... Uh, Doolittle has not been edited, so I don't know how many clips are in there. Fair. So if there's a lack of clips, I apologize, especially for this movie, because this is in three different languages, and I'm not going to put stuff not in English in the podcast. Correct. Uh, this one's a little difficult to do because it's uh, Polish, Italian, and English. And the language barrier is actually part of the plot. Yes. Uh, in that the male lead speaks no Polish. Right. The female lead speaks no Italian. So English is treated as kind of the common tongue. Yes. Uh, to use a Game of Thrones phrase. <laughs> a Dungeons and Dragons phrase. Yeah, that's it's true. It's common. Uh, so we open on... We're, we're opening, but we haven't poured one out yet. Okay, fair. We have, we have to pour one out. What do you got there, Lara? Uh, I have champagne. because She drinks a lot of champagne in this movie. And uh, that's all I really know about her. She also has a few, like, pretty woman-style shopping montages. So I just figured, you know, the luxe life. Your drink tends to spoil how you feel about a show. Oh, it totally does. Like, if you make something real fun and complicated, it's like, oh, she enjoyed it. If you're just like, I'm just drinking, it's like, oh, she didn't like it that There much. are outliers to that, though. Because one of the most complicated drinks I ever made was Poppy. That is true. The heavy-handed symbolism. But that was, yeah, that was also a roast. Like, you made that out of entire spite. Yeah, I can't remember which one I blended an entire piece of cake during. I think it was that one. No, because the poppy one was pink. The cake one was like a weird gross milkshake because I blended a piece of cake. Oh, I think that was Archie. Yes. Because I think you were trying to make a malt. Yeah, and it didn't go well. (laughs) Uh, So that's nice. Uh, I have the... uh, Suck it, your sedative had bad complications with you. Yes. Uh, which is uh, a, a scotch on the rocks. I also put some ginger water in there because I was going to make a joke about how they had to act gingerly. But no one acts gingerly in this movie. No. Everyone's real aggressive. So but it's, probably, it's probably like a ginger jack. It's probably good. Yeah, it is good. Uh, but there, there is a scene where uh, she is in distress and he grabs an ice cube out of a jack. So, I, I want to take this moment of uh, a content warning. Yeah, we should probably uh, do that. Number one, not safe for work audio. No. Uh, because we are going to be discussing uh, adult adult situations. Ooh. But, like, sex. Yes. Like, sex situations. This, this podcast is rated M for Mature for nudity. <laughs> yes. Also, for non-consensual situations. Yes. Because there's a lot of times where she's uh, assaulted. On domestic violence situations, because yes. we're going to talk about domestic violence a lot in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be a really good place to edit in a PSA for a domestic violence hotline. When the life of a friend or family member is shattered by violence, your greatest gift is hope. Break the silence. Make the call. 
1-800-799-SAFE. All calls are anonymous. So we open on like a beautiful beach. Yes. And mob, we get like mafia types negotiating. Yes. And you get the one family is super against human trafficking. So we're supposed to get that these are the hero family. Yeah, these are the hero gangsters. Yeah, this is the these are the good mafia guys because they're against human trafficking. Yes. And we see a young man who looks like Prince Eric from uh Little Mermaid, but with tattoos. And, and hair. Lots of hair. Well, he's dressed like Prince Eric. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, and we don't know his name yet. And he's staring at some woman on the beach. I think that's where I got the Prince Eric vibes. Yes. He's like distracted from his duties by yeah. looking at this well, woman in a beautiful blue bathing suit on the beach. They're, they're on a rooftop and they're about to kill a guy. Yeah. And he's looking through binoculars at this girl and his dad comes over and goes, let me see what you're looking at. And just looks and immediately spots the same girl. Yeah. Which is impressive with binoculars. Yeah. And then he says to to his son, uh, you are too focused on fun and pleasure. It's time to focus on responsibilities. Yeah. You know. Time to get your real mob job. Yeah. Like, if you're not, like, no one gets into crime. Crimes? No one gets into crime so that they can be responsible. Like... If you're doing crimes and you're not in it for the fun and pleasure, just work at the shop right. Yeah. <laughs> like, go go do fun, not crimes. Yeah. Um, 365 days. This is a good time to mention some, uh, some background. Okay. Uh, this is based on a Fifty Shades of Grey-esque book trilogy that was very popular in Poland. Okay. So uh, I want to bring this up. Because this is some stuff you don't know. He has a twin brother that's going to pop up in the next one. What? Who did leave the family. And oh. did exactly what you just said. Like, he's off not doing crimes. He's working at the shop, right? He's not working at the shop, right? <laughs> uh, I think it's the Tesco, because he's in England. Um, Tesco is a British grocery store. Chain. I figured that out through um, context. Thank you. But, like, he's left the family. And I think he's actually, like, studying at Oxford. Because that's the only thing people do in England if they don't live in England. You study at Oxford. Because it's the thing people can name. Gotcha. That's why I wanted to bring that up. So these are very popular books. They're okay. along the lines of Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. So this is why this movie was also nominated for Worst Ripoff or Remake. Gotcha, because it's very Fifty Shades-esque. Yeah. I don't agree that it's necessarily Fifty Shades-esque. It's the same genre. I mean, there are definitely some Fifty Shades flavors in this. Uh, like, I-, I hope you guys are not tired of us talking about color theory. Yeah. Because color theory comes up a lot in this. There's a masquerade ball. Uh, there's, like, uh, there, was, there was something else that I was like, oh, this is very Fifty Shades-esque. But to me, that's also, like, you're making this, not you, the Razzies are making the same argument that, like, Friday the 13th is a ripoff of Halloween. Yeah, kind of. When it's really just the same genre and some things are similar. Well, I think the question would be, did the author of this, were they inspired by Fifty Shades? Almost certainly. So, yes. Okay. So, this is another thing we can blame Twilight for. Yeah. Ugh. The disease of Twilight continues to infect our media. Oh my god, I'm thinking of all the things Twilight ruined. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because Twilight ruined young adult 
film franchises by splitting that last movie into two. Yeah. And then they all started doing it. Yeah, we can make twice the money. And that's why Divergent never finished as a film series. Yeah. Because also because it was terrible. Well, the third movie did so poorly that the fourth movie didn't get made. Mm. That's that's a bonus episode right there. The should, Divergent should series. Should Divergent stay doomed or should they make the last movie? Uh, I read the Divergent series and frankly... <laughs> it should stay doomed. Uh, I read the third book and I wanted to yeet it out a window. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I... I was in like a real young adult dystopia hole for a little bit. Yeah. But there were series I couldn't get through. Like Hunger Games, I read in two days. Uh, I really liked The Selection, which is trash, but I really liked it. Uh, Apparently that's getting a TV show soon, so we can look forward to doing that. Okay. So then like Prince Eric and his dad are talking and uh, to keep the Disney things going, the dad is like, you know, one day everything the light touches Simba will be yours. Like this family will be yours. And they're talking, and then suddenly there's gunshots. Yes. And the bullet goes through the dad into the younger guy. Yes. And then, like, they pull out, and you see, like, the roof is covered in tarp. Yes. Which I was like, oh, that should have been a clue. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I still think that they were like, you can film up here, but don't get any fake blood on my roof. And they're like, we'll put down a tarp. Well, I also think that, like, if you're committing crimes you probably put down a tarp because you don't want evidence on your roof true so like in the plot it makes sense for there to be a tarp also what do you wrap the body in the tarp right uh but the father dies and he does not because he's going to be one of our main characters yeah but we don't know that yet necessarily and then we get an english language song yeah it immediately like smashes to this like bop yeah called hard for me and I was like, oh, I guess the soundtrack's going to be in English. Because at this point, nothing's been in English. Yeah. And I kind of thought the whole movie was going to be subtitled, but not the case. We then go to America? No, we're in Poland. Oh. We're in Poland at like a business executive meeting. And they're speaking English here. Well, during this business meeting, somebody says, this is America. With a bunch of cowboys. <laughs> like, No, they're talking about an American deal. Oh, okay. I thought they were and saying And one character were... is supposed to be American. Yeah, but Because he references, not... in America, we have a game called Trick or Treating. You have this game in America, right? Trick or Treat. <laughs> Which is not really how that works. That's right. A game called Trick or Treating. Uh, and he's like... The guy who says this is this, like, stereotype... He reminds me of, um... Oh, crap. What's his name? Um... I'm looking up the actor, just wrote Dane DeHaan. I have no idea. Uh, Dane DeHaan was in A Cure for Wellness. Ah, the Bioshock movie. Yes. And he was also in Valerian and the Thousand Cities. Uh, He's also, he's best known in America as the uh, Andrew in Chronicle and Harry Osborn in the Amazing Spider-Man series. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I just pulled up his known for page real quick to get that information. And... He looks like him, and he's the American. It's not Dane DeHaan, because Dane DeHaan would have a pretty competent American accent. Yeah. Uh, this actor does not. And they he blames this one woman, whose name we do not yet know. And the woman kind of, like, turns the tables on him. So we see these two parallel, like, business meetings. There's one in Amber Lighting, mm-hmm. that is the male lead, who we saw in the previous scene. And one in, like, Blue Lighting, which is the Polish executives and this American. And the meetings go badly. 
But they're so convoluted that I have no idea what they're talking about. I have about. no idea what any ha- anything happens in this scene. Also, none of this ever comes up again. Does not come up again. It's meant to establish that she has a job. Yes. And that she's like an that she is a competent executive professional woman. Mm-hmm. That's literally what this scene establishes. There you go. You're welcome. Yeah. So then they're both in cabs, separate yeah. cabs. And he is sexting some woman, Anna. Yes, this is the guy from the roof. And she's coming home to her partner who's yeah. sitting on the couch working. Yes. All right, let me ask this now. Mm-hmm. Let's establish names. Because, like, I had trouble with names this entire film. Uh, I don't have their names until, like, way later, so we can do that. Okay, but, like, let's establish it just for the, the sake of... The male lead is Massimo. Massimo. And the female name lead's name is Laura. Laura! That's right. I forgot. And that's your name. Yeah. <laughs> that's how poorly they established Well, names. they also... Mine's pronounced in a very, like, anglicized way. Yeah. And no one ever pronounces her name that way. No. It's pronounced Laura. Laura. In the uh, film. Not Laura, which is a very anglicized version of it. Um, and the name is derives from Latin. Gotcha. Uh, it's interesting because I believe Polish is Germanic. So I think it's interesting that it's this very, like, Latin origin name uh, when her best friend's name is Olga. Right. Uh, but her boyfriend's name is Martin. Yes. So she comes home and finds Martin on the couch working mm-hmm. with headphones on. Yes. And they have a plane to catch in the morning. Mm-hmm. And he says, you haven't packed for us yet. Well, she wants sex. She does. And she, his response is, I'm working. You haven't packed for us yet. And you have a bad heart. And we have a plane to catch in the And we have a bad... Yeah. So there's four things. But keep in mind, bad heart. Yeah. But so like all of these reasons. And like for me, I was like, what do you mean she hasn't packed yet? They have a plane to catch in the morning and she hasn't packed yet? Yeah. Um, the, I, I think we're supposed to get you haven't packed for us yet. The implication being she's supposed to pack his things too. Yeah. But because I'm so type A, I pack for us anytime we go anywhere. Right. So I had a moment of, oh, why? Oh, no, she hasn't packed yet. And then, oh, most people don't pack for their partners as a defensive strategy. Because mm-hmm. I pack for both of us because then I get rights to using your suitcase for extra my stuff. Yes. So that's important to me. Uh, I have she should punch him. So she is doing... Uh, she's doing it herself. She's doing a little DIY. Yes. And uh, I have to talk about this specifically. Okay. Because I immediately think, wow, she has amazing masturbation lighting. Because, like... She looks like a Twitch streamer. It's like blue and red, like LED. Yeah, blue and red flashing back and forth. And then while she's taking care of herself... We're not monetized, so <laughs> we could be kind of vulgar uh we're cut we're it's intercut with him on a plane with massimo on the massimo on the plane uh and he seduces the wrong word yeah Uh, he kind of it it, it's consensual but doesn't look terribly consensual like it's mm -hmm. very rough and he gets fellatio from a flight attendant yes with, like, too many other people too close by on the plane. Yeah. Like, he just puts up a curtain and is like, yeah, I'm good. 
and there's a moment where they show her head going like in and out. Yeah. And it's to the beat of the music and it's the whole, most funny thing I've seen. <laughs> the face, I actually go, have, go, 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 go. This is the first time words fail for me because the facial expressions are a bit much. Uh, it looks, it is consensual, him and the flight attendant, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look consensual and it feels, she gets nothing out of it outside yeah. of, I guess, the privilege of blowing him. Yeah. And so I guess it's to establish that he's super dominant and that she's unfulfilled. Yes. And my, this is where I have to like voice this theory. Uh, there's no reason for this to be intercut back and forth between the two of them. Uh, I kind of have this theory that this guy is a fantasy she made up in her head when she's playing with herself. Okay. Because there's two things I notice. Uh, throughout the rest of the film. Okay. Anytime there is some sort of sexual action, that red, blue, like, flashing light returns. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that's supposed to be representation of, like, police lights? Because it's, like, wrong. Alternate interpretation. Yeah. She's dying because of her weak heart. Oh. And that, and this whole thing is a dying dream. Okay. In, I like that. In alternate Fan theory. Okay. Are, are all the books out? Like, I believe all the books are out. I only skimmed a little bit of a summary for the second one. I don't okay. actually know much. All right. That's fine. Because uh, we're probably going to have to watch the other two in upcoming years. Yeah. Uh, I don't want spoilies. Right. Uh, but I'm going to bring up this theory a lot. So I want to establish it now. But like, I, I kind of, I know there's nothing worse than the it's all a dream yeah. theory, but it's all a sex fantasy is kind of a new one. And like, you could actually make the argument that this is all a uh, a dying dream with those red and blue lights. I had that thought while you were talking and I was like, oh, you could you could legitimately do the dying dream thing here. And I'll get back. I'll get into why when we get to the end of the movie. But we're going to be going down... That rabbit hole uh, a little bit more. Yeah, so uh, we see Massimo get off the plane and like he's just like chilling. It's a nice scene. Right. And then we cut to a beautiful resort. We're in Sicily now. And it's Lara Martin, mm-hmm. uh, Lara's best friend Olga. Yes. And a guy we never see again who is yes. ostensibly Olga's partner. Well, what, what cracks me up about this is it's Lara's birthday. She's turning 29. Yeah. And... Uh, Martin, like, brought her here for her birthday. Yeah. And I don't know how many of the people that are there are part of the party or just, like, are sitting at this restaurant. I I get the impression that it's only the four of them. But everyone is dressed up except Martin, who is wearing camo shorts and a tank top. Yeah. Which... I, I think it's done on purpose to establish that he sucks. Yeah. But man, is it funny. <laughs> oh, uh, do, do you remember the toast he gives? Uh, he... She's the sexiest, most beautiful woman who always makes me laugh. My mom, JK. Like... JK, you're awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, it's very much setting up that Martin is the type of man a woman like that might settle for and, like, Martin is sunk cost fa- fallacy. Yeah. We don't get a lot of their history, but you get the impression that, like, she and Martin may have been together for quite a long time, mm-hmm. and she's just, like, with him. Yeah. And, but, like, he definitely sucks. We definitely get that he sucks. 
Yeah, and then, like, her favorite champagne arrives. And at this point, Lauren is genuinely like, Martin, you remember, it's my favorite. And he's like, I didn't order that. Which, dumb. You take credit for that. Yeah, he sucks at everything. Like, her favorite champagne shows up. And so she goes, like, I have to go to the bathroom. And she runs into Massimo. And he goes, How are you, little smoothie girl? She's, like, in a courtyard? Yes. Like, I wouldn't picture a resort having a poorly lit, isolated area like this. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Like, I've been to a few resorts in my time. Yeah. And they usually don't have, like, a, you know, shining hedge mage. <laughs> shining hedge maze looking thing. True. And... She kind of, you kind of get the impression that, like, she's too cool for birthdays. Like, Laura is cool, and she doesn't want to complain. Because the next morning, she and Olga are laying by the pool, and they're just kind of complaining. Yeah. And Laura's like, yeah, Martin was gone when I woke up, and, you know, he isn't answering his phone. And Martin shows up, and he went to Mount Etna without her. Which yes. they were supposed to do together. But... He blamed it on her heart condition. She's got that bad heart. And he bought, he bought her a magnet. Yeah. Because he sucks. And she throws him in the pool. Yeah, which, cool. Yeah. Like, I'm down for that. And then we get a shot of her crying. Because I was like, oh, okay, she's not too cool. Because yeah. um, I, I thought Don't we were... get a shot of her crying? Cause, yes. Okay, because I felt like I never saw her cry this entire film. And I thought that was weird. No, she cries. I think this is one of the only times she does. Interesting. And then there's a song called, there's, like... They're storming every castle. And I was like, Princess Bride? Better movie? <laughs> and then she wakes up on top of a bed in like a sick kimono. Well, first she's like walking around some dark alleys. And then yeah. someone's like, she, she gets like aliened where someone's like, hello. Oh, yeah. And then it gets real dark. And then she wakes up in a kimono. Yeah. And like we see like an establishing shot of where she is. And it looks like... um. I was researching a trip to Disneyland before all of this happened. Mm -hmm. And around Disneyland in Anaheim, there's all these kind of like very overly themed hotels. Yes. That are themed like to catch Disneyland people Mm -hmm. who can't afford the Disneyland hotels because they're frankly ridiculous. And this is, these look like that with the palm trees Mm -hmm. and the like overly castle-y look. It's really an Italian castle. But it looks kind of fake and it looks yeah. like a fake castle. It's cheesy. We called it the Magic Kingdom Motel. Yes. Or probably the Kingdom of Magic Motel. And so she she's walking around this, you know, chateau. Yes. And she comes across a creepy giant portrait of herself. Yes. I need to talk about this specifically. Okay. Because what happens is she's kind of like stumbling around. She doesn't know where she is. She walks in. And then the camera does a 360. So it goes around behind her so you can see this portrait. Then circles back around so you can see her face. And he's magically standing behind her now. Yeah. Like... Because he's a wizard. It kind of looks like he just appears. Yes. And I was like, that's weird. Like, I laughed out loud. I think that's intentional. I don't think he's real. Uh, But this is going to set up what's going to be the main plot here. Yeah. He... And he asks her again, are you lost, little girl? Are you lost, little girl? Remember, I was the creepy guy from before. And she passes out. Yes. And this is when he grabs an ice cube and tells her to suck on it because the sedative is having a bad reaction to her. And I was like, oh my God, he doesn't know she has a heart condition. 
and then the heart condition never comes up again. Correct. Uh, so we, we established that the first scene was five years prior to now, the scene on the beach where he sees her, and he's been obsessed with her ever since. It's also at this point where I realize she has the same accent as Dexter from Dexter's Lab. Yes. Because you and I were like trying to place her vowels and she sounds like Dexter from Dexter. You. <laughs> yeah, she goes, you are stupid. And I was kind like, of. oh. And she kind of retorts like, I have friends. My boyfriend is going to look for me. And then uh, Massimo is like, here's a bunch of pictures of your boyfriend cheating on you. Yeah. And, but like, she still has friends and we establish later she does have a family. Yes. And like, those... Olga would notice that she's gone. Right. And he, like, pins her down. Because he keeps manhandling her and, like, throwing her onto furniture every time she stands up. And he throws her down on a chair and, like, gropes her boob while telling her he won't do anything without her consent. Yes. And I'm like, okay, so you're like, I, will, I want your consent, sexual assault, sexual assault. Yeah. So, it's, it's yeah, it's very confusing rules. And she somehow... Has like pickpocketed a gun or found one. She pulls a she gun. She pulls on it him. off of him. Yeah. And and she's like, put the gun down. And then she, he grabs her and puts her in a hammer lock. And disarms her. And disarms her. Which, man, this would have been amazing if she just killed him. There's a lot of things that could have still gone right at this point in the movie. Yeah. And he kind of sends her off with Domenico. Yes. Who is like his right hand man. And kind of just becomes her, like, manservant. Yes, because... Another way this movie could have been better, I almost thought this movie was setting up the two of them falling in love. Right. Which he's would have been un- very interesting. Because he's unfailingly kind to her the entire film. And he's the person who does things for her. Uh, on top of that... Sorry, my drink just made noise. Uh, on top of that, uh, he's been pulled away by Mario to go deal with something. Yeah, and uh, Christian Grey has a red room for sex torture. This guy has a blue room for, for torture, torture, torture torture. And uh, basically, he's got this dude tied to a rock yeah. poorly. Yeah, I, like, I, it looks like he could get off. I was there. like, well, yeah, have, has he tried to struggle? Because like, I can see light between his wrist and the binds. He's tied up with rope on a sharp rock. And I was like, just wiggle, dude. On a round rock, which has a lot of give? Yeah. Like, he'd be able to find enough space to like wriggle out of that. So this guy doesn't want to live. Uh, and uh, Marsimo is is saying, uh, I'm going to erase you. You're just going to be like, you don't exist because of your trafficking of humans. Yeah, because he sold children to a brothel. Again, we're setting up that, like, this mafia family is a good mafia family. Yes. They're nice people. Yeah. The people that he can t- kidnaps for sex, he waits for consent. Yeah. Uh, but then we cut to her naked sitting on the floor of the shower, but it's a double shower? And yeah. both the showers are on, and she's sitting not under the water, which is so weird. I mean, she's shaking, and she's, like, visibly seething. Like, right. She's she's just been assaulted, like, multiple times. Because this is also the first time he grabs her throat, is at that point, too. Right. I, what I'm saying is, it's weird to sit in the shower... To get in the shower and then not use the water on yourself is weird. I mean... She has just undergone a huge trauma. She's yeah. not necessarily processing it in... 
Have you never like sat and cried in the shower? Yes, and the water's always touching me because it's cold without the water. Uh, what I'm saying is the only reason she's not under the water is because in the next scene her hair is dry. Yeah. Fair. Which is the only reason they shot it this way. So she runs, like, she tries to do a runner. But she doesn't know the house and she doesn't know the yard. Yeah. And instead she just witnesses the murder of the guy. Yeah, which means that it was a walk into this dungeon. Yeah. They untie him, drag him out of the dungeon <laughs> to this new area. Where there's just, no tarp. Where there's no tarp and they just shoot him. And she's like, <gasps> it's like, yeah, this guy's dangerous. God damn it. And then like... So Massimo sees her and they argue and she's like, I want my phone and laptop, which is reasonable. Yeah. Because uh, that's how you would get help. And she shoves him. He throws her on the bed and she slaps him. And he goes like, if you hit me again, she goes, what, you'll kill me? Yeah. Like she's already in so much danger that she's like, what are you going to do about it? Right. And then uh, my next note is the radio, the radio about to explode. Yes. The music in this is kind of fun. The music's insane in this. And like Domenico is still very helpful to Laura. Like he's very kind to her and he's like, I'll get you some stuff. Do you mm-hmm. want something to eat? Like he, this poor guy is just like, hey, so you're in like the world's crappiest situation. So I'm a, like, logically you would find yourself emotionally connected to this person who is kind to you. Because uh, this is definitely like a modern retelling of Beauty and the Beast. Yes. But except that you lose a key part of Belle, which is her sacrifice. Yes. That like Belle intentionally sacrifices herself to save her father. Mm-hmm. This like Laura does not have to do anything like that. Well, also Belle likes books, and Laura has no traits. <laughs> Laura likes booze. Yeah, that's like the only thing we see her regularly enjoying. And so Massimo was like, get in the car, we're going somewhere. And she's like, what? And th- he takes her to Etna, where Martin failed to take her. Yes. So, like, immediately, he is giving her what Martin could not. Yes. And then we get the first montage. It would, it, is this also where we get the private jet scene? Not yet. Okay. This is the pretty woman uh, shopping montage, number one. Okay. And she kind of like taunts him a little bit and he grabs her by the throat in the dressing room. Yes. Uh, Domestic violence tip. If your partner at any point chokes you, that is the number one sign that they will eventually kill you. It's a fun fact, ain't it? Yeah. Like they actually say that like that's the biggest red flag (laughs) is because once your partner is comfortable putting their hands on your throat, it is like, it's very easy for things to go too far. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that, like, hitting doesn't immediately go too far. Right. So I, I wanted to point that out because he grabs her by the yeah. throat a lot. Yeah, there's an inherent, just to clarify, there's an inherent danger with choking, even in consensual play, that doesn't exist with, like, spanking. Yeah. Like, anytime you're not breathing, it's bad for your brain. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, she finds two cops because she does a runner again. Mm-hmm. And she's like, tells the cops in English, like, I've been kidnapped. Please help me. The cops catch sight of Massimo, who just catches up with her because she's running in heels. Yeah. 
the cops see Massimo and are like, cops out. Yeah, hi, Massimo. Hey, oh, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, sir. You've really come along as the Toyota robot. What? His name's a lot like Osimo. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, like, she demands her cell phone, laptop, and she's like, and I want dinner. I want pierogi. Yeah, give me Polish food. Um, Which, pierogi is what I think it is, right? It's it's the mashed like pierogies. Yeah, the mashed potatoes and the shit. It's so weird to me that you, they keep saying pierogi singular instead of pierogies. I mean, pierogies plural is Americanized. Oh, okay. It would be pierogi in Poland. Excuse me. Um, I'm a I'm an ugly American. So, because I, I used to go to a carnival that had Polish food. Okay. And it was amazing. Like, but they called it pierogi because it was, you know, first generation, second generation immigrants. Mm -hmm. And she demands her, he tells her, like, I own hotels, restaurants, and companies. Also, I'm in the mob. And I want you to teach me how to be gentle. I want to be gentle for you. And she gets back to her room and finds her cell phone. Yes. On her bed. And she calls her mom and says, hey, I got a job. I'm going to be in Sicily from now on. Don't worry about me. Yeah. Well, she also promises her mom that at some point her mom will be able to visit. Yes. Now, I I don't think we established this. Not only did did he say that he won't touch her or he he won't do anything without her consent, which is just a lie, but she will fall in love with her in one year. Yeah. If by her birthday next year she is not in love with him, he will just let her go. Yeah. So she tells her mom, like, hey, I'm going to be in Sicily for a year. I have a new job. Uh, It's just for a year. Yeah. Which, after a day, it's only been a day. Yeah. Maybe two. uh, She's already, like, resigned that she's going to have to play this game. Yeah. Well, she's tried to escape once. And it didn't work. So that's just the end of escaping. Yeah. Uh, and she, like, other than the one time she grabs the gun, she never goes with violence. Like, no. she's never like, I need a knife. <laughs> yeah, like, most women realistically in this scenario would be trying to figure out their easiest way out. Yes. And, like, she never cries with him. Like, no. she never cries. And, like, there's this thing I notice whenever she gets thrown around. She always tilts her head to expose her neck. Yeah. Which is a very feminine, uh, like, I'm attracted to you thing. Mm-hmm. Is when you when a woman turns her head away and exposes her neck. Yeah. It's just like, it's kind of like a, a, a signaling thing. That's what she does. She never defends herself. No. With this guy. And it's, you know, and this is immediate with this guy. Yeah. And like... This guy who the first night you're there, you see murder someone who has displeased him in cold blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, then we see her wake up. We get the shot constantly of her waking up somewhere. Yes. Because that's the only way the filmmakers seem to know how to transition. Yeah. Is Laura wakes up somewhere. Laura wakes up. And is this when she's in bed with him? Or yeah. No? They're sleeping in the same bed. And now it's, it's day two or three. Yeah. And she's like, oh, he's next to me. Should I touch him? No. It's like, where is your resolve, girl? Yeah. This man is still a stranger. 
Like, regardless of the things he's done, he's a stranger still. I mean, not regardless of the things he's done, because, like, I think you're better off if you're waking up next to a stranger who hasn't murdered people. Right. What I'm saying is that it would be weird for her to want to reach out and touch his chest if she had never seen him before. Yeah. Let alone all the things he's done. Yeah. So she's like, well, I better get naked and take a shower. Yeah, and like, the shower's glass. Mm -hmm. Throughout this whole thing, she's just immediately comfortable naked in front of him. Like, there's never... Mm -hmm. She doesn't try to like, shower with a bathing suit on, or like, any of the other things a woman might do to try to like, defend herself. Yeah. Uh, So... (laughs) She starts taking a shower and he's like, well, I'll take a shower too. It's a double shower. LOL, matching separate showers. And he gets in there and she just starts staring at his junk. And I was like, please call his dick small. Like, I would I would jump up and applaud if her reaction was like, so small. How are you so small? And that was just the rest of the film. Yeah. It was just her being like, but you're so small. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Instead, Instead. (laughs) uh, she, like, this starts, like, the sex game sequence of she starts kind of touching him, but won't go any further. And then he freaks out and grabs her by the throat. Like, in such a scary scene. Like, she kind of, like, grabs his butt and his hips. And then she's, like, dream on and turns away and his arm just comes out and grabs her by the back of the neck. Yeah. And there's like a horror movie sting. It's like one yeah. of those like, but don't. And I was like, oh God. And then again, he goes like, don't provoke me. And she goes, or what? Like he's already kidnapped her, sexually assaulted her. Like at this point, her only hope is to try to survive. Yeah. And I, my thought during the scene was, oh, is she trying to start? Trying to void their contract by goading him into sexually assaulting her. Yes. Is that like... It's never mentioned, but I I was like, is this like her gambit right now? Yeah, because like... Does she think this is going to work? I don't understand her motivation here. Because if her motivation is, I hate this man who kidnapped me. Yeah. She would hide from him. She wouldn't expose herself like this to him. But I could understand the plan of... If I get him to break his rule of he won't do anything without my consent, then he'll let me go. Which Which is never a great... Like, that's never something he says. No, this is just us desperately trying to make this movie make sense. Yeah. And, like, it's not a good plan. Yeah. So then we get back to, like, a private runway. And we see a woman shrilly screaming in a white suit as she's... Carried kicking and screaming onto a plane. Yeah. I do not realize initially that this is Laura. Because Nor this did I. She's screaming and it, it almost feels played for laughs. Yes. And like, I thought it was going to be like, oh, there's going to be a comic relief girlfriend too. Like, we're going to meet Domenico's girlfriend and she's going to be annoying and funny. Yeah. And then we see that Laura is tied to the first class plane seat. Yeah. And she's got like a bunch of seatbelts on. Yeah. And then, uh... She says something to him in Polish. And he, like, says, English, please. Yeah, in English, please. And there's no curtain separating her and him from everyone else in the plane, which I want to establish. Yes. Uh, he 
just sticks his hand down her front of her pants, and she can't, her eyes kind of roll back a little bit. Yeah. And then he says something like, "You have to earn the pleasure." You have to earn the pleasure, and I was like, "Well, the consent thing is definitely out the window." Because he's already like, yeah, because he's already like grabbed her chest and shoved his hand down her pants yeah. without her consent. And then he gets up and shakes hands with the dude like it's mall rats. <laughs> like, which I, I don't think is something they thought about when they were filming this scene of like, oh, he just gets up and shakes somebody's hand like, sup? Yeah. How you doing? And then we get to like the next scene and she's playing the games again. Like she's standing with Domenico just chit chatting. She's making like dominant eye contact with Massimo suggestively eating a vanilla ice cream cone and, like, wiping it all over her face. Yeah. And, like, clearly trying to be like, does this remind you of anything? <laughs> and then she goes full Bruce Wayne and bathes in her white jumpsuit in the fountain. Yeah, she jumps into a fountain. I guess now the plan is to just make her... make herself so annoying that she's just like, I don't want to be with... This might be her personality, because we don't know a lot about her. We don't know anything about her, right? And so they have separate hotel rooms, or separate hotel suites, I guess. So then she goes to his hotel room, and his hotel room has a giant portrait of him with a lion. With a lion. And she's like, it's a gift. (laughs) And then, like, she's sitting on the couch, and she's like, oh, I'm so afraid of you, slayer of lions and tiny women. Yes. And he whips out his junk and says, like, take it. And she goes, you have people for everything. You get someone to do that. Yeah. And then he shoves her on the bed, mounts her, handcuffs her, shackles her, and puts a spreader bar. Yes. I need to talk about the spreader bar. Uh, okay. Because there's some sort of com- uh, concept to it of anytime she moves, it widens and locks. Yeah. Which is such a, like, super villain thing. Yeah. Because as dumb as this is, it made me think of uh, 60s Batman. Because there's, <laughs> there's a time where uh, either Catwoman or the Joker ties up uh, Batgirl. And it's like, these binds are very interesting. They get tighter with body heat. So eventually it'll just strangle you. Okay. Later, Batgirl. And it's like, what a weird, very specific item to own yeah so now that he has this like spreader bar that's like every time you move your legs are gonna get further apart like immediately i'm like what why do you need this device does it get to the point where your legs just like are completely ripped off (laughs) like yeah like like, how far does this go is this like a final destination john yeah what is this device (laughs) Ugh. yeah so we have that great moment yeah um so then he's like i'm gonna show you what you're missing and some other girl shows up and he's like this is what you're missing and then he gets a blowjob yeah but like like, maintains eye contact with her the entire time he's doing it but like which is weird and dehumanizing to this like sex worker maybe we never she never speaks and we never see her again yeah uh but this idea of of like i'm gonna show you what you're missing i thought oh he's about to rock this girl's world yeah but instead it's like yeah you could be the one blowing me yeah like it's not (laughs) 
it's not like he does anything to pleasure this sex worker in any way. No, because the moment he's like done. He just like dismisses her. Yeah, she dismisses and she doesn't leave. She goes into the other room. Yeah. So then he starts sexually assaulting uh, Lara. Yeah. Which means the sex worker's just in the other room reading a magazine while this is going on. Jesus. And he's just kind of like, I'm going to give it to you right now. And I'm like, wow, you did just come from a beach. The fact that you're still able to go, kind of impressive. And like, but he can't. Like, Well, she's like, no, I'm begging you. And then he lets her go. Yeah. Which I'm choosing to believe is because he couldn't perform. Because <laughs> I really want to emasculate this guy for some reason. Uh, because he's so dominantly insecure and he sucks. Yeah. Because um, he sucks. But like that also means that like the girls in the other room during all of this, just like listening like, what is, what's happening out there? Like, I like to think she's live tweeting it. <laughs> Awkward. Yo. Um, Yo, this dude is kinky and his dick is small. So then he's like, we need to be at the club in two hours. Get dressed. And yeah, the idea that he then also had plans later. Yeah. <laughs> so then we, we, you know, smash cut to the club and Domenico is holding Laura's hand and he's like, I'm really worried about you. Like, this is not a good situation for you. Like, oh, you noticed that, huh? Yeah, like he's a good person. And she is dressed like in a very, very, very like revealing dress. Yes. And she just like wanders into the VIP room after he asks her to wait at the bar. Yes, where everyone's casually doing cocaine. And, oh yeah, because I have cocaine waitress. I said, I have, what's up cocaine waitress? Would you like some cocaine? (laughs) And Massimo's like, what are you wearing? And she goes, a couple thousand euros of yours. He took her shopping. Yeah, you were there, bro. (laughs) Like, he would know everything she has with her. And then she flirts with a random guy and we get the greatest lyrical genius ever. Music, 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 cigarette. Yeah, that's um, a real song lyric that plays during this is music, 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 cigarette. And she's like dancing on a pole, not like skill pole dancing, drunk girl pole dancing. Yeah. Like, I don't want to mistake what she's doing for what like dancers with skill are doing at your local club. Yeah. She is what the drunk girl on amateur night at your local club is doing. Exactly. And then like. The guy she's talking to that she's, like, flirting with immediately tries to assault her. Mm-hmm. Massimo pulls a gun and shoots his hand. Yes. To keep her... And then she wakes up on a boat. <laughs> yes, yeah, smash cut to. And my next note is, LOL, Massimo started a mob war. Because it's him and Mario, who's, like, his mentor, arguing that Massimo has now caused a huge rift between families mm-hmm. by defending Laura. Yes. Who is acted, like, who is acting out? I feel like if I kidnapped somebody, I would wait for the Stockholm Syndrome to set in before I started, like, parading them around. Yeah, it's been, like, a week. Yeah. And Um, she's already just in public. Yeah, and she's, like, in public, and she is playing sex games with him in public, and... Mm. 
Like, it's very weird. Their dynamic doesn't make a lot of sense. And then, so she comes out and she's like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, the way you would apologize if you, like, threw up in someone's trash can <laughs> when you were drunk instead of the way you would apologize if you started a gang war. Yes. And he then, like, victim blames her for the attempted assault of, like, if you hadn't been flirting and wearing that short dress. And she's like, are you blaming me? Yes. And then she falls off the yacht. Well, first, before she storms off, or before she falls off, she tries to, like, storm away. Yeah. And he yells, like, where are you going? Tell me where you're going. It's like, somewhere else on the boat in the middle of the ocean. (laughs) Yeah, like, there's not a lot of places to go. Yeah. It's not like she's going to run away. And then she falls off the boat and he saves her. Yeah. Uh, And brings her back into like the cabin. Yeah. And then he's like, I like you and I don't want to lose you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why does he like her? She's done nothing but make his life difficult. Yes. And he's done nothing but assault her. Yeah. Like there's no... Like, there isn't even the thin... Okay, so there's an SNL sketch where they make Black Widow into a romantic comedy. And her and Hulk have, like, the tenuous strand of they both love ice cream. Yes. This doesn't even have that. Yeah. They don't even both like breakfast at Tiffany's. Like, they don't have anything they... They don't bond over anything. No. There's no emotional bond. And then we get what I like to call the montage montage... We get five montages in a row. In a row. Yeah, it's First, rough. we get the boat boning montage. Yes. Yeah, so it's a- like five minutes. Apparently, her being saved was enough to kind of like... For that Stockholm Syndrome to just kick, kick in. in. So they start going at it. Uh, and I know we need to mention a scene where uh, he spits... On her crutch. Yeah. Because there, you have interesting information about this Yeah, thing. the filmmakers wanted to cut it, but the screenwriter slash the writer of the books demanded it be put back in because it is apparently a popular gesture between couples in Poland. Yeah. Which I have no research to back this up because I, I, I really didn't need this in my Google history. I mean, that's what the author of 365 Days thinks is romantic. Yeah. He's spitting on a girl's crotch. This this montage, they have sex all over this boat. Yeah, which you're like, also, where's Mario? Because he was also on this boat. Right. Like, they're just on the deck in the sunshine and all this other stuff. And it's really weirdly cut because there's this moment where her... In the bed, in the car, up against the minibar. There's a moment where her legs are up against, like, his shoulders. Yeah. And then in the next cut, he moves in a certain way. That I actually said out loud, oh my god, he broke her in half. By God! Because, like, the only way that motion would have worked is if she he snapped her, her spine. But the truth of the matter was, it was a different cut of it the It was montage. a different part of the boat. Yeah, like, it, it could have been hours later. Uh, <laughs> so... And then, la- then he goes, I have a surprise for you. And she's, like, laying there, and they've been, like, boning for hours. You get the impression they got an hour of sleep after... She says that. Yeah. Because she's like, I want more. And he's like, I've slept for an hour. And he's like, what, are you tired? And he's like, no. And I want to be honest. If you bone for that long and she wants more, your dick's small. (laughs) Jesus Christ. It's really small. So then he's like, I have a surprise for you. And she's like, what? 
is me like which at this point I'd be so wary of a surprise from this guy of like yeah. oh what now what it's now? somebody's head in a box and uh he's like we're going to a ball tonight and she's like what and then we get the glam squad montage yes where like the two most stereotypical looking like queer eye for the straight guy types yeah come in and fuss over her and again we never see these men again no because everyone outside of Massimo, Massimo, Laura, and like three other people, like Olga, Mario, Martin, and Domenico, everyone else is just dispensable and is gone immediately. Because well, I remember during this scene, you were like, are these two guys twins? And I was like, we're never going to see these people again. You think they even have names? I don't know. So uh, they make her up and they go to a ball. Yeah, and then we get this like, it looks like Fifty Shades darker? Yeah. Like, all the promotional stuff for Fifty Shades Darker had a masquerade sequence. Yeah, so there's this masquerade sequence. There are fire breathers. There's that red and blue light. Yep. Uh, And and they do a sexy tango. Which is pointless because the sexy tango is the thing that leads up to sex, but we just watched a five-minute montage of them banging on a boat. (laughs) But then we meet Anna. And Anna was Massimo's girlfriend right up until... The day he saw Laura in Sicily. Yes. So, like, they broke up a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Anna introduce her, introduces herself as... The first and only love. Yes. Also, I need to bring this up. How much time do you think went by between him seeing her on the beach and him kidnapping her? Because I was under the impression it was months. So the first time he sees her on the beach? Yeah. But, and kidnapped her five years. We find out it was five, five years. Yeah, I actually, I've already said that on Mike. Oh, oh, I totally missed that. Five years go by. Yeah. He was obsessed about this person for five years yeah. without ever actually speaking to her. Yeah, and like to the point where everybody kind of goes like, nobody realistically thought he'd find you. Like everybody figured you were like a white whale situation. Oh my god. If I'm Anna, I would want to have more self-respect than to date this guy who was a portrait of a woman. Oh, he I, saw once through binoculars. Yeah, I just realized there's like a um, a literary thing here. Okay, because it reminded me a little bit of... Uh, you're, I'm not going to say the thing you think I'm going to say. It reminded me a little bit of the Truman Show. Okay, yeah, no, that's not where I thought. Where he's obsessed with this girl he spent a day with, and then he's like desperately trying to make a picture of her using like cutouts from magazines. Mm-hmm. This is so much worse. <laughs> you, she was wearing sunglasses yeah. when he looked at her through binoculars. How do you even know what her face looks like? Uh, I was actually thinking of the poet uh, Francesco Petrarch. Okay, who wrote a ton of sonnets. To Laura, who he'd only seen briefly. Uh, He wrote, like, three years worth of, like, platonic, like, three years of, like, courtly love overtures to this Laura. This is unbelievable. And, like, I don't know if she's intended to reference Petrarch or if it's you and I desperately English major grasping for meaning. What was the name? Petrarch? Petrarch. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Francesco Petrarch was, like, a famous classicist Italian poet. Anyway, Anna does not particularly like Laura because why would you if you were Anna? <laughs> yes. And Anna is like, I should kill her. 
This is the equivalent of breaking up with your girlfriend because of the girl you like in an anime. Yeah, like... (laughs) Or, like, breaking up with your girlfriend because a cosplayer you met at a con once liked your tweet. Yeah. (laughs) Like, the anime, like, the anime girl isn't real, but the cosplayer, like... The, The girl he's fallen in love with isn't real. Because he doesn't know anything about her. But it's more of like a parasocial, like a cosplayer. Yeah. Like, Laura is indisputably a real human being. But like, he's definitely in love with the idea of her. Because they've known each other. We don't know how long. There, there's no sense of time in um, this. We don't get like one week later, three days later, at any point. Yeah. Since you bring it up, I want to bring that up now. I really think this movie could have been helped by saying how many days are left. Yes. It's just like, you know, day one, day four, day nine. Yeah. Dawn of the final day, 24 hours for me. Yes. So, uh, she said, Lara goes like, I want to leave the ball now. So Massimo takes her back to the hotel. Uh, they have sex again. And then he goes like, I'm sending you to, you said you wanted to visit your family. You're getting on a plane tomorrow to Poland. Um, there's an apartment set up for you there. I love you. Yes. Like he says he loves her. Which you missed when we watched it. So I wanted to set up. This is when he says yeah. it. And then uh, Domenico takes Laura to the airport. But then like a car pulls up behind them. And Domenico gets out of the car. Mm-hmm. And goes to this other car and leaves. So now this is like the sad part of the romantic comedy. Of, like, Laura's been sent back to Poland and she's sad. Yeah, she's on her own. So she goes and sees her friend Olga, who is immediately like, you vanished when we were on vacation. I thought you were kidnapped. Yeah, Olga has the world's most reasonable response to your friend showing up. Mm-hmm. Even a week later. Like, if if I was on vacation with my best friend, she vanished and showed up even a week later. Like, hey, I'd be like... What the crap? Mm-hmm. We get the impression more than a week has gone by, but we don't really know how much. We don't know how much time has gone by. Uh, but it quickly turns into, I met a guy, and then they're like, ooh, tell me all the details. Yeah, because like, well, first, Laura kind of tells a very sanitized version of it. Yeah. Of like, I met someone, he's a club owner, whatever. Um, mm. And Olga's like, cool. And then they're passing a bottle of wine back and forth. Mm. Which, I know you screamed like there are glasses right there, but I've done this with my friends. Like, you just pass a bottle of wine back and forth. <laughs> yeah, I also want to talk about the sequence where she's laying on the on a couch on her back. Yeah. And Olga is sitting on the floor, leaning on her stomach with her elbow. Yeah. And I'm just like, how did you end up in this position? Yeah, I mean, they're <laughs> definitely... This is definitely trying to shorthand the intimacy of that friendship. Yes. Uh, but it also really comes off as, like, Laura and Olga may just do it. Yes. There's I definitely lot of, think that they're going to bump. This next two montages have a lot of sexual tension. We get a spa montage, a makeover montage, where Laura dyes her hair blonde. Well, let, I'm going to talk about the spa montage real quick. Okay. One, in the spa montage, the whole time I'm thinking, this is like her eighth spa treatment. Like, she's already been, like, fussed over and, like, taken care of. Like, it's not like she's been like, I've been so stressed, I need a girl's day with Olga in a hot tub. It's just like, 
This is a less nice spa than what she should be used to at this point. Yeah. Uh, and two, I feel like we never see the process of her hair getting dyed. Because no, I she feel keeps like going more volume, more volume. Volume and then the means next thing, like exactly area. No, that, that's what I mean. Yeah. But then the next time we see her, she's in like a sleek blonde cut with less volume. Oh uh, yeah, I was like, wait, she dyed her hair. <laughs> it's insanity. After the spa montage, we get a clubbing montage. And again, there's a lot of sexual tension between Olga and Laura here. She mounts Olga at one point. Yeah, like it's and, very sexualized. And the red and blue lights are present. And I was like, ugh. Yeah, like is she going to also... Because they're in a club. Yeah. And a man sends them drinks and Olga goes off with the guy. Yes, yeah, a guy with a man bun. Sidebar. If my friend had told me she'd been kidnapped, the last thing I would do on a, the night out with her would it's be to go off with a rando. Yeah. One, because I wouldn't want to leave my friend alone. Mm. Two, I'd have like kidnapping on my mind and I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to go off with this rando. Yeah. Plus, you know, you might miss your friend because she's been missing. <laughs> exactly. But I would be, admittedly, the forethought of my thought is like, what would happen to me or what would happen to her? Right. Like, what if the guy comes back for her? But she, who comes back is Martin. And they argue. Martin shows up and, like, begs for forgiveness. <laughs> well, the, the argument is great because it's this element of, like... I totally cheated on you, but, like... Well, well, the argument from Martin is we were on vacation together and you disappeared. Like, yeah. you left a note, which is fake, but you left a note, but you disappeared on vacation. I was terrified. And her <laughs> response is, yeah, but you suck. <laughs> No, she does actually cite that he cheated on her. <laughs> well, yeah, but it, it's just, it, it's an interesting dynamic of like, you cheated on me, I don't like you, and you went missing in another country. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> it's really, really weird. And then it, it's kind of gross because she's like, screw this, I'm out. Yeah. She gets in the elevator to leave and Martin forces his way onto the elevator. Yes. And like... At this point, I don't know what's going to happen. I was like, is Martin going to get Laura? Or is he going to get his ass kicked? I can't tell. Yes. Uh, I want to take over from here, if you don't mind. Okay. Because next they're at the apartment, which means I don't think this club was in the same building as her apartment. So they've been arguing this entire way home. And it also means he's followed her home. Yeah. They then... She opens the door. And they make a point to shoot it from this angle where you're deep in the apartment. There is an empty chair and like a weird like effect on the left side of the screen. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, let me go. I don't want to talk to you. Goodbye. They cut back to the same shot. And all of a sudden, Massimo is sitting in the chair. Yeah. He's not real. He magically appeared. Fair. Uh, and then all of a sudden she's like, oh, my boyfriend's here. Why don't you come in and talk? And Martin's like, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. I think he actually says, I'll talk to you later. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, I have Massimo is waiting there in the dark, like a mom after curfew. Yes. Like it's that shot of when like you come in late and then the light clicks on and dad's in the easy chair being like, mm-hmm. so where have you been? Yeah, but, like, I really want to point out that they made an effort to show that chair was empty first. Yeah. And then have him appear in it. So, we get that, and then 
they argue. She's like, well, you just sent me away. Mm-hmm. Like, and then they have sex against the window. Yeah, they have sex against the window. And I know that sounds sudden and disjointed. It but is. But I didn't leave anything out. Uh, the camera then cuts to, like, outside of the building. And we get the reflection of red siren lights. Well, there's a building that has one of those, like, airplane lights that's flashing red, and then it flashes blue. Yeah. And then it flashes red. And I was like, lights don't do that. This is the masturbation lights. He's not real. Yeah. (laughs) And then, like, they have sex against the window, and then my next note is someone in this movie is really into choking. Yes. Because he chokes her again. Like, not threateningly, but, like, as part of sex. Like, his hand is either on her throat or just, like, giving the Von Erich claw to her head. Yes. And then sometimes slipping his thumb in her mouth. Yeah, he also does this move with the sex worker, the flight Mm. attendant, and Laura, where he, like, brushes his thumb across her mouth. Yes. But it's not hot. Yeah, my theory is his thumb is bigger than his dick. Oh my God. Because I think he's really small. (laughs) Actually, I should mention, because there is a conversation between Olga and and Lara about him. Yes. And And she says he's molded by God. Molded by God. And then Olga goes, well, what about his dick? (laughs) And she mounts Olga and says, it's molded by the devil. Which I'm guessing means he has gonorrhea. No, uh, which I'm guessing means it's it's huge. It's like immaculate, yeah. I choose to mean that it's real small. Um, <laughs> so small. Oh my god. Uh, I I have this note where I'm like, there is no time marker in this movie, and it drives me nuts because like we have no idea if it's been two weeks. Oh yeah, we're getting we're getting close to the reveal. Yeah, <laughs> which is is so mind blowing. So then they wake up. She says, "I don't need 365 days." Yes, I love you. Yes. Oh, that's why I have there's no time marker. Because I was like, how long has it been? Has it been a week? Has it been a month? Has it been... We know it's not been 365 days, but she's lost the game and has fallen in love with him. And I yell, well, then why did you name the movie that? Yeah. (laughs) And then the next morning, he proposes marriage. Yeah. And she's already wearing... He slid the ring onto her finger while she was sleeping. Yeah, which is weird. You know, I could see where that would be cute in a different relationship Mm -hmm. of like surprise of in a different relationship with a different dynamic. Like, I think I've read like ask Reddit things where someone has like proposed to their partner that way. Mm -hmm. And it's it's cute if that's your dynamic. Yeah. And she looks at. And that is their dynamic. Him just doing stuff to her. Well, yeah. But like, I meant like cute surprises. And. Uh, she's already wearing the ring. She looks at it and she swears, mm-hmm. but she swears in Polish. <laughs> and Massimo's like, does that mean yes? <laughs> Sidebar. He is now engaged to a Polish woman. I would think you would pick up certain words. Well. Of the native language. Not, not to reveal so, like, a lot, but it's not been that much time. Right. <laughs> That being said, how long could it possibly take to pull up yes, no, hi, goodbye? Yeah. You had five years to prepare for this. Like, well, he didn't know she was Polish because he didn't know anything about her. Unbelievable. But, like, I know a few words of, like, Japanese, despite never having studied it. It's not a language I would say I was remotely proficient in, but I know more Japanese 
Do, do, you, do you, it's super confusing. Do you know what no is in, in Japanese? Does it mean yes? N- no, how to say no in Japanese. Oh, no. Yeah. It sounds remarkably like yeah. <laughs> um, no, because I believe hi. Is hi yeah. is yes. Um, but like, I don't know a lot. Of, again, I don't know a lot of Japanese, but mm. I know like, hello, goodbye, yes, and bunny. <laughs> I've been to some anime cons. I know, like, bunny, fox, and cat. I, I used to do... Well, uh, Usagi, because I was a big Sailor Moon kid. I, I used to do uh, Japanese Rosetta Stone. And the only word I remember is juice. means juice. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, like, I know names of food that I like. Yeah. <laughs> like, but again... Tempura. <laughs> but again, like, I'm establishing how little I know of a language... That my partner doesn't speak either. You've picked up... I, I've been learning French for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I think you have picked up more French, which is not my primary language. Yes. Just by osmosis. Shoot the door. Uh, baguette. Chandelier. Je suis un baguette. Yes. I am a baguette. I am a baguette. But, like, that bothers me. Because I was like, oh, he has learned nothing about her and made no attempt. No. We get another shopping montage, but this one's kind of funny. Just, I don't think you hit, hit enough emphasis on that. We hit another shopping montage. This movie has more montages than a Rocky film. So this, but the shopping montage, this time, like, she's in slightly more conservative things. Mm-hmm. And he, like, seems to disapprove when she pulls out, like, more revealing clothing. Yes. Like, um, now that they're engaged, he's immediately bored by going shopping. Yeah, he's, like, reading a magazine. And then... Women, am I right? And then we, like, cut to a wedding. And then we see the the author is actually the bride of the wedding. Right. And it's clearly Laura's family. Someone in her family. Cousin, sister, we don't know. Because her parents are there. She shows up to this wedding looking like a fembot. From Austin Powers. Yeah, like, I'm not going to slut shame how anybody dresses, but, like, there's also dressing for the occasion. Yeah. She's dressed for a club. Like, yes. if she'd been wearing this exact dress in the club scene, wouldn't have looked twice at it. Mm-hmm. If she'd been wearing this to, like, a party. But, like, this is a family wedding, and this is, like, a very short, very revealing dress. Mm-hmm. It's not a good look. This is my probably my biggest evidence that this is a dream sequence. Yeah. Because her parents are so cool with everything. Yeah, they're cool about she has cut off her hair and gone blonde, which, like, my mom got mad when I dyed the ends of my hair blue yeah, with she, temporary dye. She no longer, like, her hair was black. It was, like, brown. Her, her hair was dark. Yeah. Oh, by the way, she would have never been able to get to that blonde in one setting. No. Like... Like, That's not how hair works. I thought it was a wig for a while until we saw it in yeah. too many scenes. So she she has a moment where she's like, hey, don't tell my family what you do. And then he's like, what am I going to say? It's like, say you're a club owner. Yeah. Because you are. And that's what you said to her. Yeah. And he's like, I, I don't know, improv something. And then the conversation with her parents goes something like, wow, you look great as a blonde. Which is not what your parents would say. Your parents would say, why did you change your hair? You look like a different human. Your hair was so pretty the way it was. Yes. And then she's like, so what do you do? 
And he says, I'm a gangster. And then her mom says, you'll be the first in our family. Which, by the way, every family's got, like... Insanity! Also, every family's got, like, that one family member where you're just like, well, that's just, you know, cousin so-and-so. You know. Like, uh, everybody's got that cousin who has, like, a weird thing. Yeah, but not the cousin-in-law. No one's like, oh, this is our cousin-in-law. He's a gangster. It's like, no, he's a gangster. We don't talk about him. He's terrifying. Yeah. He's got tattoos on his hands. I have, like, eight cousins with tattoos on their hands. They're perfectly nice people. Yeah, but you know who doesn't? Her parents! That's true. <laughs> Her parents, they're not judgmental at all. They're like, we accept this murderer into our family. Yeah, like, my dad was judgier at my cousin's wedding because everyone in the bridal party was, like, heavily tattooed. This guy's also, Massimo was heavily tattooed. Like, hands, yeah. neck, body. Like, very heavily tattooed. Uh, I remember, uh, you were actually with me at my cousin Mike's wedding. Yes, I was. And everybody, in the, my cousin's a tattoo artist. Mm-hmm. And everyone is, was very heavily tattooed. And my very conservative parents were just like, Oh. Um, that's a lot of, that's a lot of tattoos. This is the, uh, the wedding we went to where the cake had blood and spiders on it. Yes. <laughs> and like, I want you to just like, we're not against any of those things. We really like tattoos. We're big Ink Master fans. Yeah. But we're saying that this girl's parents should have a reaction. Yeah. And like, my parents are a little more, con- like, my parents are pretty liberal, but more conservative than me, like, about physical appearance. Mm. And, like, her parents are super chill. Yeah. The the idea of this girl being like, this is the dude that I've fallen in love with because he's really good at the sex. His penis is a little small, but he's oh really God. good at the sex. The idea that your parents would just be like, we accept and love this man is a fantasy. That's why yeah. I don't think this is real. <laughs> yeah, because, like, on paper, you are exactly the kind of guy that... A woman's parents hope she brings home. Like, you're nice. You have no criminal record. You have a stable job. Yes. On paper. And my father was like, yeah, I like him as much as I'm going to like anybody you bring home. Yeah. That's the approval I crave. (laughs) Like, but that was, that was all anybody was going to, like, that, that was all you were going to get from my father. Yes. He's at the maximum score he could achieve. A four. Yeah. Out of ten. Yeah. (laughs) honestly yes um my mom adores you but so laura catches the bouquet because whenever there's a wedding the protagonist catches the bouquet and then we like cut back to sicily we're like meanwhile back in italy Mm -hmm. and mario and massimo are having breakfast laura comes to the table and he's like i'm sorry we started eating without you yes which I thought was a uh, reference to Martin, mm-hmm. where it's like, sorry, I did this without you. And I was like, oh, it's falling into No, it's literally powers. breakfast. No, it's just literally just breakfast. And then she goes, that's okay, I'm not feeling well. But she also then says, buongiorno. She says good morning in Italian. Mm. So she's, she's making the effort. She's starting to pick up the language a little bit. I mean, good morning isn't much, but no. like, it's the only time we hear her speak Italian. And then she negotiates... He has told her no one from Poland can come to their wedding. Which, by the way, like, then we'd elope. Like, if I can't have any of my family there, like, we're not having a big wedding. Yeah. So your mob friends can be there. And she successfully negotiates Olga, her best friend's attendance. 
Well, I also want to say, she says, I'm not very hungry. I'm not feeling great. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she's pregnant. Yeah. That's how this is established in these types of films. Yeah. The only way it would have been more cliche is if we'd seen her throw up. Yes. Because that's usually the other way we see Mm -hmm. that. And so I was like, oh, no. But then we get there and then we get a quick shot of Olga getting in the car with them. Mm -hmm. And then, like, we get a little scene with, like, Olga and Laura actually having a few minutes on the beach alone together. Right. Domenico's there. But Domenico is, like, a significant distance away. And this is when Olga drops the bomb. That only two months have elapsed. It's been two months! Now, we watched this last night. We're recording it about two in the afternoon. And there were there have been multiple times in the last 12 hours where out of nowhere I've gone, two months. Two months. Like, we were driving... 60 days. We were driving to the park this morning, and I went, two months out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, the movie's called... Like, she had a year. It's 365 days. It's yeah. been two months. It has that not even been a season. The number of days left still starts with the number 300. Yeah. <laughs> and she also tells Olga that she's pregnant. Yes. And Olga, I, I really like Olga, actually, mm. through this part. Because Olga goes like, we'll, go, we'll run. Mm. We'll raise the child together. Yes. She'll have beautiful parents. Not smart. But beautiful. But beautiful. Olga's the best character. Yeah. But let's also talk about the fact that if she is pregnant to the point that she's aware, mm-hmm. she would have had to have gotten pregnant on the boat. Yeah. Which means when she went out clubbing and got, and got wasted, wasted right before. And remember, before that, they drank like a few bottles of wine. Yeah. She was pregnant that whole time. Yeah, and like. Oh, ridiculous. It's also like, if you know anything about female anatomy, she is not terribly pregnant. Like, she can only be a couple weeks pregnant. Yeah. Because there's a, there's only like a week a month where it's likely to get pregnant. Right. So, the way that, like, she is maximum like two weeks pregnant to the point where, I don't know where she would have gotten a pregnancy test because Massimo at this point doesn't know. And it wouldn't be accurate yet. You, ha- your, your, a pregnancy test has to be too. Has to be. It's a certain number of weeks late that you are on your period. For a few it. days usually. I thought it. Maybe, no. It's been a while since I've looked at pregnancy tests, uh, but I thought it had to be a while, and even then, it's like not certain. Speaking as someone who's in her thirties and gets like multiple targeted ads about right. pregnancy tests, uh, a lot of them say like up. You know, accurate results from five days after your missed period. Most women don't te- don't tend to panic till after about a week. Okay. And also, Laura's been in a stressful situation that I would feel like would knock your body out of whack. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like the first couple weeks of being a prisoner and being in this constant, like, stress reaction, like... Working out too much can affect your yeah. cycle. Like, but there's unreal, it's unrealistic that she, like clockwork, magically got pregnant. Yes. In this, like, long term stressful situation. Yeah. Basically, what we're trying to say is one, it is unbelievable that she would know she's pregnant. Yeah. Two, she drank a lot while pregnant. And three, how did she get pregnant? His dick is so small. But does it just, like, how did she get pregnant? Is she just. Thinking she's pregnant because she's late. Yeah. 
Because like we 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 She's know, monitored 24/7. Yeah, we know that um Mario and Massimo don't know. And we don't ever get the impression Domenico knows. Yeah. Although we could totally make the argument Domenico knows. Mm-hmm. Because there's other he's around all the time. Anyway, so then they go um wedding dress shopping. Yes. And there's a like she's in the dressing room. And there's a really fun little sequence with Olga and Domenico. Yes, that's the movie I want. And it's Olga just kind of messing with them a little bit. Like, mm. she grabs a giant tool veil yeah. from a mannequin and puts it over them. And she just kind of, like, Muppet faces him. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of, like, takes it off. She reaches across him to grab champagne just, like, takes too long. And well, then he gets up and she looks at his butt. Like, she is a lioness and he is a wounded gazelle in the center of well, also, there's two things of champagne in front of them. Yeah. And when he gets up, she drinks his. Yeah, like it's... Which is pointless. <laughs> yeah, like, she's just... Like, she's flirting with him and it's it's actually legitimately cute and mm-hmm. funny. And he's kind of like... They, like, she's more forward than he's used to. And mm-hmm. he's probably, like, not used to getting attention. Yes. But, like, he's into it and it's cute. Yes. She... Because he, like, kind of smiles at her, like, yay. Laura then reveals her terribly slutty uh, wedding dress. It's very, very see-through. Yes. But she's pregnant. She's wearing white gauche. Uh, (laughs) But, like, it's a very, very body-con dress. Yeah. If she's pregnant, they better be getting married tomorrow. Yeah. Because she's not, like... I imagine they are. Yeah. Getting married very soon because Olga's there. Yeah. Uh, Which is not st- how wedding dress... I guess maybe if you have the money, mm-hmm. that's how wedding dresses work. She can go to like a uh, couturière. Mm-hmm. And, but I was like, if she's pregnant, like that body conscious of a dress... Like I've seen... I've had friends who have like had to fi- kind of like refigure out wedding dresses around a pregnancy. And you tend to go for like Something a little more forgiving. Mm-hmm. Not the most body conscious dress that you can wear. Like if she ate a sandwich, that dress wouldn't fit. Yeah. Like after, like if she went to like, you know, a super big meal, that dress isn't fitting. Mm-hmm. Much less a baby. Anyway. So then Mario is just kind of like chilling out being Mario. And he gets a call. That they're about to kill Lara. Yes. No idea who they are. Whether it's Anna, whether it's the other family that he pissed off. Like, I don't know who they are. I don't know why they would call Mario. Well, we then see that Massimo and Lara are on the phone. Because mm-hmm. Massimo's like, how long does it take for you to try on a dress? And she goes, as long as it takes. Yes. Mario, in a panic, tries to call Lara. It's busy. Tries to call Massimo. Massimo, and it's busy, which means this gangster doesn't who has a castle doesn't have call waiting or, uh, oh, it's just so frustrating. The car goes into a tunnel and Massimo loses the call because she's yes. in a tunnel. And Mario, I, Mario comes running and he stumbles at one point and clutches his chest and I totally thought he was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> We'd also watched an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where yeah. a character had just had a heart attack. Um, but the car enters the tunnel and then we get a shot of the other side of the tunnel and the car doesn't come out. Yeah. And then we have cop cars, red and blue, uh, outside the tunnels to like investigate stuff. 
And then the camera just kind of moves to the ocean. Where we see a boat going away. We see a boat. And then the movie ends. That's the ending. And honestly, that's my other piece of evidence for the dying. Mm. uh, For like the dying dream theory. Is she goes into the tunnel and doesn't come out. She crosses over. Okay. That's where I got that theory. Now, obviously, knowing... I had this theory, and then, like, there's two more books. And they're, they are making the sequel to this film. Okay. Uh, both Massimo and Laura, the actors, are returning. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, this cliffhanger wasn't in the book. Okay. Uh, the book does not end this way. How, do you know how the book ends? I do not off the top of my head. Because, like, my thought was, this felt like the paper was due at midnight. And they were like, ah, she dies in a tunnel. Yeah, and it's 11.53. Yeah. Who got it in. Uh, it's like, do, are you going to give any of your character's traits? No. Got to get it in. Yeah. Uh, the, the dying in a tunnel while pregnant makes me think Princess Diane. Or Diana, excuse me. Was she pregnant? That was the rumor. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but like that was kind of like the tabloid gossip of around it. Right. Uh, I also had the idea of like, oh, she came and she's just done fantasizing. So it's over. Because <laughs> I still don't think he's real. I think this is all a masturbation fantasy. And then she went out and Martin was like, I'm done working. And she was like, yeah, I'm done with you. Um, but anyway. Yeah. So it just ends. Yes. A uh, few things I think we, we missed that we need to bring up. Yeah. Is one is the scene where they bang in the, uh, the bathroom. Yeah. Which one has red and blue lights mm-hmm. and two has the musical number of I'm going to rise like a phoenix. Oh, yeah. And I yelled with my consensual penis. Yeah, this is this this incredibly niche joke. Which is a joke I will not explain, but if you get it, you get it. <laughs> if you know, you know. Um I think I frightened the neighbors. Cuz I I witch cackled. <laughs> because it was I was I didn't see it coming and it was really funny. <laughs> but like, oh my god, it's just Dreadful. <laughs> uh, we we watched this with subtitles on because their English was not great. <laughs> there were times where I would lose words in the in the uh, in with the accent, yeah. and also the mix is really bad. Yes. So there were times where like we'd turn it down because the music was very very loud, mm. and then we would turn it down, and then you wouldn't hear dialogue. Yeah. It was like a bad action movie in that mm. way. It took us a while to realize what he was saying was, "Are you lost, baby girl?" Yeah. Um. Speaking of music, do you have anything interesting to tell us about the music in this film? I do! Uh, so, several of the songs are by the same male vocalist. Mm-hmm. And I completely, by accident, found out it was the male lead. Like, this wasn't information I was looking for. Uh, I pulled up the name of one of the songs on YouTube because the mm-hmm. lyrics made me laugh. Yeah. And then I went in the IMDb page to do, you know, your normal research. And recognized the name and I went, oh my God. And you went, what? You were laughing so hard. (laughs) It was so dumb. Like, like it almost seems like this movie was invented to promote this guy's album. This is worse than them playing Limp Biscuit during the Fanatic. I actually thought of Madonna swept away. Oh yeah? Of like that kind of like dual, she sings and she acts and it's not very good and it's neurotic thriller. Yeah, I get you. Like, it, I feel like this borrows as much from that as it does Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. So, uh, that's 365 Days. I think 
a key thing with this film, because one of the reasons we like to talk about the Razzie movies is why they got to be Razzie nominated. Mm -hmm. This movie came out on net, like it didn't get a theatrical release. It came out on Netflix in like over the summer in quarantine. Mm -hmm. Those two things are why it is popular. It's Netflix. How strict are the age requirements on Netflix? Really? So this became accessible, acceptable softcore porn. Yes. And it also came out when, like, everyone was, like, peak... No one was going out yet. Mm-hmm. So everyone was, like, peak, bored, lonely, and sexually frustrated. Mm-hmm. So I think those two things really contributed to this movie getting the attention it did. And then because it got the attention it did, it also got started to get negative attention. Yeah. Because this movie is, like, very anti-feminist. Yes, it's a consent nightmare. Do they actually bone? Because there was a few scenes where I'm like, are they actually having sex right now? They do not, but they had, they did have to address it. Because, like, it looks like they're having sex. Yeah, the lead actor literally says, people think that because we're such good actors. Mm. Which also kind of sounds cagey, like, ooh. Because, like, during the, the fellatio sequences, there's a few times where it looks like there's something in her mouth. There is... Oh my god, yes, I'm so glad you have research about this. He is wearing a prop penis at one point. Because his dick is so small? No, because they can't have, like, they can't have the live sex act. So he's, like, wearing a prosthetic because they can't show her with the real one. Okay, question. No. Do you know? No. (laughs) I don't know anything you're asking me. Do you know who made? No! The penis. No, why would I know that? Well, because I assume it was the devil. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh, Oh, you're so proud of yourself. I'm so happy to have that information. Like, just the idea of a director being like, okay, this is the fellatio scene, uh, so put on your fake penis. That's actually a really common thing. Uh, Tuck your tiny penis in between your legs. This guy's gonna sue you for. For defamation. Like. I'm going to be honest. And you can see this on my Twitter. I thought we were going to see his junk at some point. And, and you were like upset. I'm a little disappointed. So. Until I have confirmation. It's super small. I need you to not. <laughs> I need you to stop. Anyway. So a- any other uh, research? That you I don't have about? anything else major. Outside okay. of the sequel is in development. So if you were super hype about this movie. Do we have any idea what it's called? Um, oh, I did know this. Because I could I can un- I can forgive the title if the series ends on her birthday. Like all three books are just over the course of one year. Because the fact that this is two months and it's called 365 Days is infuriating. Um because remember that movie 40 Days and 40 Nights? Yeah. Where he, he's not allowed to have sex for 40 days and 40 nights. If that movie ended on day 25. Stupid. So, oh, you're making that face. So, the the second novel is called This Day. And the third novel is Another 365 Days. But we haven't had the first 365 days. I don't, I, don't blame me. Uh, the start, the production start date was postponed. It was supposed to start production in August. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, They've had a very difficult time with shooting because uh, Italy was one of the countries hardest hit by COVID-19. Right. So. 
fascinating. So uh, I guess we're at the point now where we got to give it a verdict. Yeah. What are you saying? <sighs> you know, this. There's a lot of lot of really bad things about this film. Mm-hmm. I thought this was going to be so much worse. Yeah. I still can't recommend it. Okay. Uh, Like, I thought it was funny, but, like, I thought it was funny. I don't think this should be seen as romantic. Mm -hmm. Like, there's things about this movie that are so hilariously poorly done that we kind of swung into enjoying it. Because it's like, a montage! Another montage! This is stupid. Yes. Uh... One thing that I know we discussed a little bit uh, off mic is uh, back when I used to do panels about Japanese fetishes at conventions, one of the things that I discussed is the blackmail fetish. Yes. Which is basically, I have these dirty thoughts that I'd like to act on, Mm -hmm. but I have a life at home that I can't ruin. Like, this is what mommy porn is. And like, often... They fetishize this idea of losing control mm-hmm. so you don't have the guilt of betraying your husband or, like, ruining your kids' lives by destroying your marriage. Right. It's like, ah, I was in this situation where I was kidnapped. So that's what this, the itch this movie scratches is. Yes. I wouldn't call it, like, high cinema or anything like that. And it's, it's in this weird level of, I enjoy the scale of instead of a movie being uh, like five stars or something like that. Yeah. Of doing negative 10 to 10. 10 is a masterpiece. Yeah. Negative 10 is like a, a, a the room where it's so bad, it's so enjoyable. Yeah. To me, Doolittle was like a two. Yeah. This movie's like a negative five. Yeah. Like the, this movie does kind of swing into being fun. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think if you just dropped the violence toward her. Yes. Like, he he's way too comfortable choking her. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, like, it takes out the fantasy of, like, there is the constant threat of sexual violence in a way that, like, there isn't with Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. And I feel kind of bad saying this, but, like, it seems to follow this, uh, the same sort of roadmap. Where mm-hmm. in a horror movie, everyone's so one-dimensional and like without traits that you don't care about them. So that when they get stabbed in the throat with an arrow, you're just kind of like, whatever. One degree of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you got the reference. Um, in this movie, none of these people have traits. So no. I never relate to them as being real people. No. So what happens to them never really affects me. Yeah. If they had traits, I'd be like, this is horrible, this poor woman. Yeah. Uh, This guy's a monster. But the fact that they're so blank kind of just makes it like, uh, I get what you're doing. I mean, going into that, like, that idea of, I don't like the term mommy porn, but, like, going to that concept, often those characters are pretty blank slates. Yeah. Much like Bella, much like Anna from a... Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. They're, they're blank enough that you can put on that costume and be like, I'm in that situation. Yeah, they're like intended for you to be able to project onto. Yeah. I'm going to put on my own blue and red light. Yeah. 
<sighs> so, huh, maybe that's what blue and red actually means. Because, like, maybe red is sex and blue is violence. Maybe? Because there's the whole that dude that's tied up getting murdered is just blue light. Yeah. I could hmm. see that. All right, so that's an idea. So at least thought was put into this. Not good. It's more consistent than Heather's when it comes to color theory. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also less damaging than Heather's because at least, like, the main audience should be older. Yeah. But also, it's a lot easier of just, like, instead of red meaning whatever the hell red meant in Heather's, it just means bone time (laughs) in this movie. Jesus. So, yeah, that was 365 days. Yeah. Uh, I do not recommend. Yeah, I'm going to give it a stay doomed. But I'm like, going to give it a stay doomed because I do think it's it's a damaging film It's for some people. To and, watch. like, it's weird because we always say, like, let's rank the, uh, the, the Razzie films. 365 Days is a worse film than Doolittle. Yeah. It is a more enjoyable film yeah. than Doolittle. There... It, we had a little more fun watching 365 Days, which I want to point out, when we discussed this, I kept calling it 365 Days Over 2. Yes. And I finally, like, broke myself of it just in time yeah. for us to do this You really show. wanted this to be a Kingdom Hearts sequel. Apparently. <laughs> so, Yuck. <laughs> Yuck. Um, so what are we watching uh, next week? Um, Next week, I believe we are going to watch... Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island is next up on the list. Uh, also, the poll, as of recording, is open. It'll probably be closed by now. But uh, we asked Twitter if we wanted, if if they wanted an episode on Absolute Proof, and we got a a big no to that. So we will either be doing uh, Batman and Robin. Woo! Or we're going to be doing Jack and Jill. Boo. By the time this is posted, we should know. So I'll put the actual answer here. Yeah, and if you didn't vote for Batman and Robin, know that I'm mad at you. Yes. Uh, big thank you goes out to our crowdfund Crypt Keeper Matthew. Thank you for uh, supporting the show. If you want to support the show and weigh in on polls like that, you can join the Patreon. The lowest tier is just $5. And you can talk to us in our Discord. Okay. Uh, where can people find us, Laura? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you want to talk to me about how small his penis is, oh, I'm gosh. at Plus Two Comedy. If you want to talk about uh, ethical consumption of sexual content and, uh, you know, how this isn't it, I'm <laughs> at Sprocket League. Until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>